Welcome back to End is the Future, a podcast that brings together great minds to address the opportunities and challenges of making businesses both sustainable and profitable. I am Ilham Kadri, and I'm delighted to be your host today. If you are as passionate about sustainable business as I am, let's explore how End is the Future together. Today, I'm very happy to be speaking to Stephen Fitzpatrick, who is at the center of some of the most exciting developments in aerospace, urban air mobility, and the electrification of flights. Stephen is the founder and CEO of Vertical Aerospace, a startup that is developing electrical vertical takeoff and landing air taxis that will revolutionize, I would say, it's already revolutionizing the way we travel. He's also the founder of two other companies, Ovo Energies and Calusa, which are playing a key role in ramping up renewable energy use and electrification. At Solve, we are delighted to partner with Vertical Aerospace to develop the entire composite structure and their amazing air taxis. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Stephen, I read a lot about you and your story is inspiring. Born in Belfast, you are called today the Britain's Elon Musk. You told the world that you have been very affected by the shame of flying and wanted to find a solution, which we all leave it hardly today. And there is no way to ask people to go back to limited mobility. We should be able to achieve the end, the A&D in flight, be able to travel and reduce emission. And this is one of my passion and intimate beliefs. Is that true, Stephen, what I told you just now? Who are your role models? What are your drivers and personal values, your recipe of success? So um, a lot of questions, Ilham, but let me start with uh, flying. So I've always loved flying. And, um, you know, thinking back to the time when I was, I always find it magical to be able to be in a completely different place, especially growing up in Ireland. To be able to fly, well, almost anywhere in Europe and completely and be in much better weather. <laughs> but holidays to Spain and France when I was uh, when I was a, a child, it it seemed amazing to me that you could get on an aeroplane and then in just a few hours be in a completely different world. Absolutely. And so I've always loved the, the the story of the early pioneers of flying. And um, when I think about all of the challenges that humanity faced, for, uh, going back to Greek mythology, history is another passion of mine. So going back to the Greek mythology and all the stories of the, the man's dreams of flying and all the technologies and all the risks and all of the failed experiments and all of the, the work that went into creating the first aircraft. And you think from the Wright brothers, just 70 years later, we've reached the moon. Yeah. I thought it's just impossible that after waiting thousands of years to realize this dream, we're going to stop and voluntarily, you know, stop flying. So I thought that that is not, I don't think that's in human nature. And so yeah. then if you think about all the ingenuity and all of the technology that went into creating the first aircraft, if we apply the same determination to decarbonization as we did to flight, if we make that the dream, then of course we can do it. And so that's, it's one of the things that I feel very passionately about. And, you know, there's been uh, within any business, there are highs and lows and good days and bad days. And I think really successful businesses, successful entrepreneurs, successful teams 
they have a passion for what they're doing that makes it worthwhile, even on the bad days. And so I have three young children. Um, they all love the idea that, uh, vertical makes airplanes and so, and, and zero carbon airplanes. And so this is something that motivates me a lot, that it makes my children proud. It, it, it satisfies my urge for innovation and, and also to be part of a solution for something that is as romantic and as wonderful as being able to fly. You gave us actually some recipe of success. It's determination, uh, you know, resilience, right? And, and dream and living a legacy, obviously. That's what you are saying about your children, that, you know, the future generation, right? So can you explain to our audience how electric vehicle takeoff and landing technology works and how it will change the way we work and travel, uh, Stephen? At the heart of the, the new technology that we're building is, is the wonderful advancements we've seen in electrical power in motors, also energy storage, batteries. Um, and so the, 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 the number one thing about these aircraft, they're all electric, uh, battery powered uh, with electric motors. And, and then one of the wonderful things you can do with the electric motors is you can um, design aircraft that you can use the same uh, propellers to lift off the ground and then uh, propel you forward through the air. So we have a uh, they're called EVTOL, so electric vertical takeoff and landing. Um, we have eight rotors uh, instead of a one rotor that you would get on a helicopter. Uh, it, it helps the aircraft take off from a rooftop or from a from a helipad, and then we transition into forward flight, and we can reach speeds of more than 200 miles an hour uh, with a range of about 120 miles, about 170 kilometers, uh, carrying four passengers. Um, and so one of the, there, there are very many benefits, obviously it's zero carbon, uh, but also it's extremely quiet. We don't have a jet turbine. We don't have very large rotors. Uh, and so it's extremely quiet. Uh, and it's also, uh, much, much safer than traveling by helicopter. And so it's a hundred times safer than, than traveling by helicopter. So what we're going to end up with is a vehicle that is, um, is zero carbon, uh, super quiet very, very safe, and then also extremely affordable. It's going to cost about 20% the, the, the cost of flight by helicopter. So this is going to make vertical flight uh, possible for just about everybody that lives in a city anywhere around the world. Yeah, this is fabulous. We are in the business of composites, Stephen, but we are also in the business of batteries, uh, as, in, as you may know, and right? electrification of cars, and we'll talk about this. But coming back to air taxis, um, when it will just become a normal, or for me, you know, to take an air taxi between Brussels and your place, right? Or London or Paris or New York and Boston. Uh, so the range, 120 miles, um, is that's a battery-only range. Um, yeah. And we're going to certify that vehicle between 2024 and 2025. So in the next three three or four years. And you will see that pick pick up pretty quickly, I think. In, in in major cities, you will see these aircraft. Once they're certified, you will see these aircraft flying around. In terms of production, we'll we'll start relatively small, but in in a few years' time, we will reach a quite a high production rate. We've already got pre-orders for nearly fifteen hundred uh, aircraft for, for air, airlines all over the world. But your question about flying from Brussels to London or Paris to London or Paris to Brussels. That will probably take a, a range extender that could be a combustion engine or a hydrogen fuel cell. Um, and that will give us a range of more like 500 miles. So that's when you're going to start to see uh, LA, San Francisco, 
Washington, New York, London, Paris, or Berlin, Frankfurt, all of these flights that we would normally fly by conventional aircraft, we're going to be able to take air taxis. Yeah, this is fabulous. So how affordable will it be compared to traditional transportation? It's a great question. The The costs that we're projecting, even when we launch, are about a dollar per passenger mile. So that is about the same as taking a taxi on your own. So it's it's really, really competitive and it's an incredible, incredibly economic. The reasons are uh, the, the energy source, the electricity, much, much cheaper than um, petrol or, or gasoline, kerosene. But also because it's an electric uh, drivetrain, very few moving parts uh, and therefore very little maintenance and operating cost. And so just like electric vehicles, where we think, you know, we've already built an electric vehicle today that can do a, th- a million miles, you know, we're going to see these aircraft fly with great economy. And so this is, as I said, going to be affordable for just about everybody. And what that will equate to, for example, um, in, in local terms here, that would be uh, a, a trip from Heathrow Airport to Canary Wharf in about 12 minutes and costing about 50 pounds. And so that's like, you know, maybe an hour and a half in, in bad yeah. traffic in the morning. So uh, a massive time saving and actually cheaper than taking a taxi. I cannot wait. And how many passengers, Stephen? Because can I bring my family with me or a club of dozen of friends? You can take your small family with you. Uh, I would say it, we can take four passengers. If you're a pilot, then you can take uh, you can take an extra person, obviously, and you can fly the plane. But now, to begin with, we will have four passengers. Uh, it's piloted. So this is fabulous. This is a bold dream. This is disruptive. This is reinventing a space. From a passionate, you know, gentleman, but also a businessman, right? And I know you. I heard that you are a huge fan of Formula One, and even invested uh, in a team at one point. I hope it's right. So, what are the lessons? I mean, not from a race car only, but also from the Tesla. You know, reinventing the auto and the clean mobility, which, frankly, my business is just booming today. We cannot supply all the PVDF material for EV batteries. Nobody believed in it 20 years ago. And even now in COVID-19 and crisis situation, EV is just taking over in the automobile. So what are the lessons? And is there are there lessons you, you are taking, you know, hands-on in your business today? I think there are lots of lessons, either from the EV space, um, There are lots of lessons from Formula One, in fact. Um, But probably the most important thing is a quote. I can't remember exactly who I should attribute this to, but um, I think it's, we underestimate, uh, overestimate what we can achieve in two years and underestimate what we can achieve in 10. And I think when I think about aerospace, and and this is a a lesson I learned in in OVO, um, pick a big, big market and then find a way to start, you know, so you've got to think big and then you've got to start small. Yeah. And so for us, this is, we look at aerospace and we see um, the electrification of the propulsion, massive advances in energy storage, development of new synthetic aviation fuels or hydrogen-based fuels, advanced materials, supercomputing, all of these technologies are converging and are going to completely transform aerospace in a way that electrification has transformed the automotive sector. Everybody's yeah. thinking that, you know, it's 20, 30 years away. But I think what a lot of experts miss is that new technologies, you know, 
they develop at almost an exponential rate. And we talk a lot about the software that most forecasts of the future are wrong. In, in, well, they're all wrong, but <laughs> the common theme in, in tech is we project a, a kind of a linear pro- progression. As human beings, we kind of understand a linear progression. But actually, most technologies develop in an exponential progression. And then, and then we undershoot the development. And, and it's very hard to tell the difference uh, to begin with uh, when you see technology developing because the changes are so small. But then if you get this inflection point, uh, like we've had with the EVs, where the range is at long enough now for electric vehicles that they are perfectly, uh, a perfectly acceptable choice for most consumers. And before you know it, everybody wants one. Yeah. And it happens very quickly. So it's going to take some time with aerospace. It's a very risk-averse sector. It's an incredibly safe way to travel. Um, Part of the work we're doing with Solvay is, uh, you know, using very advanced materials that have got a very high tensile strength or heat retardant capabilities and so on. And we need to demonstrate exactly that they meet the safety requirements and it, it takes time. But these new materials are there. And, and so once we go through that certification process and so on, we're going to see this transformation in, in, in aerospace. And for me, I, I think it's going to happen much faster than most of the experts predict. Wow. Uh, and I, I echo this, uh, Stephen, by the way, you talked about the composite material which lighten the mobile, the objects, right, the aircraft. But in electric vehicles, I mean, 50% of the cost of an automobile just a few years ago, 50% of the cost was the battery. Now it's 25 and our teams are working on making it, making a battery smaller, higher density, safer, solid, actually, rather than liquid. Do you believe then your case, right, and, and making a proof point and, and starting your business will actually impact the future of electrification of flights. And do you believe, do you think we'll see long-haul electric-powered flights? I know Airbus talks about hydrogen-powered flights or aircraft by 2030. We are working on hydrogen membranes as well. Where do you see, you know, this scaling up or going to long-haul electric-powered flights? So... One of the reasons we started with EVTOL is the uh, it's the best application of electric technology in aerospace. You cannot do it. You, VTOL is very difficult to do with a combustion engine. We have helicopters. That's really it. Um, whereas with an electric power train, you can design completely new geometries, new uh, airframes. And so this is where we start. But the reality is, you know, we have seen the 20th century dominated by a very small number of aerospace giants. Uh, I believe that the giants of the 21st century will be different companies. uh, And that is companies that develop capabilities in electric flights that will build larger and larger airplanes and develop more expertise building bigger planes. And of course, Airbus, Boeing, Textron, Leonardo, these are wonderful companies. But I think the skills you need to win in the era of electric propulsion are very, very different than the ones you need in the 20th century. So we are very uh, optimistic that, you know, companies like Vertical will be the champions of the 21st century. And indeed, I mean, look at Tesla. Nobody would have bet years ago that Tesla will revolutionize, right, the the, the world of uh, automobile and the car industry. We, we talked about it before we start the podcast, that we have a good relationship with our mutual friend, Bertrand Picard, who was the fir- first to fly around the world. And you see the picture out there 
in a solar-powered plane. So I was wondering what are your thoughts on solar power and obviously green hydrogen and sustainable aviation fuels and other methods of emissions-free flights? The reality is it's going to be very, very difficult to uh, turn the the wonderful uh, design, the wonderful engineering behind solar impulse into something a bit more scalable for mass uh, transit. But what I can see is, and, and I'm learning a lot more about, if you can turn, you know, abundant solar power on the ground into sustainable aviation fuel. There, there are lots of size, lots of chemistry and technology we already have today. Then, you know, you can create a, a zero carbon uh, aerospace economy very, very easily. And I have no doubt whether it's going to be based on hydrogen, ammonia, some kind of synthetic kerosene. We're going to see these combinations of electric, uh, electric propulsion and some form of chemical energy storage over the next 10, 20 years for I think the applicant for most applications, obviously we know long haul, like transoceanic flights, just it cannot be done with today's battery technology. And it's almost impossible to imagine the kind of energy density that we would need to make that a reality. But I don't think we need to. And I, and I see some great work going on uh, with energy companies, uh, with chemical companies, aerospace companies. And, and this is what I really believe that we see this acceleration um, of investment and development for zero carbon technologies. It comes when you get the intersection of all of these technologies. And it, it's not in one field that the yeah. breakthrough comes. It's when two or three fields intersect. Really exciting things happen. And so this is what I think we expect to see. And, and, and I don't know whether it's mostly hydrogen, hydrogen and kerosene. I think there's going to be a lot of different technologies for different applications. But for sure, the future of aviation in the next 20 years is going to look nothing like what it did 20 years ago. So I, I know that you, you are passionate about climate action and you put that passion into action uh, with the companies that you founded, Stephen. In addition to Vertical Aerospace, you also founded OVO. We see it in, your, in the title here. Energy is one of the UK's biggest domestic energy suppliers, which provide 100% renewable energy. What kind of business leadership do you think we need to make our businesses both sustainable and profitable, which you are doing, right? So it's, this is not for nonprofits, right? So no. how you can make a business sustainable and profitable and create technologies we need to ensure that more sustainable future? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think you have to be patient. There's a lot of uh, opportunity in a zero carbon world, but you know you you have to. You cannot expect it's going to be a quick win. That's the first thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, second of all, uh, what I said earlier, thinking big, having a big vision that's going to keep you motivated, but then also starting small and finding some niche or finding some opportunity where you can develop skills, capability, credibility, raise capital, find a useful, valuable application of what you're doing. The third one, and probably most important, to be you know, sustainable and profitable, I'd say you have to be really rigorous. You have to pay really close attention to detail. You have to follow science and technology. You cannot just have a great idea and hope that the the PR and the storytelling and the hype will see you through. Because in the end, you know, there's so many stories about great ideas that turned out not to be great businesses. And it's mostly Absolutely. because the technology wasn't ready or mm -hmm. the technology was too expensive or the technology didn't work or so many different. So 
I think really trying to understand not just what the big dream is, but also how the thing is going to work. Do, do the numbers add up to the physics or the chemistry, whatever it's going to be. That's the most important thing because, you know, the, the numbers don't lie. Even if, you know, you, you want more than anything else for it to be true. Uh, if it's going to be sustainable economically, then, you know, the, 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 the numbers have to add up. Yeah, interesting. But, but I guess, Stephen, you, you, you must have had, you know, the lows you talked about, huh? the failures or, or sobering moments or nobody w would really believe in that idea. How much of determination to get there, right? And, yeah. and when do you know, you know, this is not worth the battle and I need to go to someone, something else? So I think it goes back to the third point before that, that there's a flip side of the, the problem that you can have a great idea, but the technology doesn't work. <laughs> and that's when you really believe the technology works. Yeah. And then you could, you know, what's going to happen next. Like, so there's so many experts that are, their views are very entrenched with, from their own context, their own experience, their own expertise. And yet they don't maybe know, uh, what's possible. Yeah. And so this is where, you know, whether it was for OVO energy, for vertical, I, I, we did the numbers. We, we did a lot of calculations. We tried to work out where we thought battery energy density was going to go, where we thought Uh, advanced material science was going to go, what we thought regulations might do, it would change. And we worked, look, this is going to happen. This is absolutely possible. And we can make a vehicle that is so much better than a helicopter. If, even if we displace the helicopter, that's, that's a $50 billion a year market. Yeah. And so when you understand that I, we, we developed a, a, a psychology in uh, OVO Energy and it was how we decided we wanted to run the company. And very basically, we said, if technology makes it possible and it's better for the consumer, then mm -hmm. that's the future. Sooner or later, yeah. that's what's going to happen. And yeah. so even if it's a threat to your own business, and for some of the time we were thinking, okay, we built up this great business, but actually there's this new technology that means the thing that we've invested in is no longer the best. And then you need to capitalize your own business because if you don't do it, a competitor will. No, it's a great wisdom. The power of partnerships, right? I mean, you cannot do it alone. And I know uh, I heard you saying before how important partnerships have been to the success of vertical aerospace. Can you tell us more about that? You know, I really believe in, in aerospace in particular, but, you know, in business generally, I think so many times uh, we convince ourselves that we are the best company, the best team, the best person to do all of it that, you know, we know better. And I think in technology, that's particularly true. And if you're developing something like a, a, an electric aircraft, the temptation is to say, we need to design every part ourselves. It needs to be perfectly designed for our application. There can yeah. be no room for compromise. And <laughs> the reality is, you know, especially to build something as complex as an electric airplane, the idea that we are the best company to develop every single part of the aircraft, whether, you know, we are going to build better electric motors than Rolls-Royce. We're going to build better software than Honeywell. We're going to build and design a better battery enclosure than, you know, we could do with Solvay. Of course, theoretically, it's possible. The question is, wouldn't it be better to pick a couple of areas and be the world's best in those areas and then work with the world's best and everything else? 
Yeah. And for us, that's, you know, it's good discipline. You, you asked about being uh, financially sustainable as well as, you know, ecologically sustainable. And part of it is picking your uh, focus and, and, and being really rigorous on that and not trying to spread yourself so thin that you're trying to do everything. And for yeah. us, that's, it's, a, it's a real discipline. And, it, you know, it's, it's really worked for us. We have, we're part of some of the world's best airlines, some of the world's best engineering firms, and we are focused on designing the best airplane and working with all of those partners to bring it to reality. So don't reinvent the wheel and, uh, and, and create an ecosystem around you, right? Which, which is also helping you to go faster, further, right? And de-risk the project probably even as well, right? No, lower it to the project. And that word ecosystem is super important. And, you know, if you have some of the world's leading engineering firms and one of the largest airlines all invested in the success of the project, then you're so much more likely to succeed than if you're trying to compete with everybody. Mm-hmm. And if we think about the opportunity to electrify a flight, it is such a huge opportunity. There is more than enough to go around. Yeah. And so for us, yeah. it's okay, we want everybody to partner with us. In, in an ideal world, I don't want to compete with anybody. We all work together on, on, the, on the project. Yeah. So we are getting to closely to the end of this conversation. I know, uh, you know, the first flight of the air taxi is scheduled to happen very soon. I wonder what will this first flight mean to you, Stephen? Obviously, I'll be very proud, um, a little apprehensive, but I know the team know what they're doing. We'll do a range test, speed tests, everything. And then that's when we know we have a, a, an aircraft, you know, a real aircraft. That, that will be a really proud moment for me and the rest of the team. Uh, last question, Stephen. Um, I'm keen, uh, you know, your audience is not only Solvi employees, but the youths, partners. What would you say is the secret of, of that type of success and, and the journey, right? Leading you to, to the destination. If you have to give them one or few wisdom for these people, what would you tell them? So one of the most important things for me is to have an ambition that motivates you so much that you've got enough passion for that even on the worst days, you're going to say, you know, I, I'm not giving up. I really, really want to succeed on this. And this is where, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but you have to find a project, a passion, a career that you're going to love. And not that's going to, you know, you're going to laugh every day. Every day is going to be great because there is no job in the world like that, but that you love doing, that you find you can't imagine doing anything else. And then you say, okay. And even on the worst day, I still want to do it. And I pick myself up and I keep going. Because the secret of success is definitely, you know, every time you, you, you have a terrible day, you say, fine, you know what, tomorrow's going to be better. And you keep going. Absolutely. Thank you, Stephen, for this fascinating conversation. You are such a great example of a, not only an entrepreneur, but much more visionary, a leader who wants to leave a legacy uh, and, and who is really inspiring me and us and really achieving the power of the end. Very inspiring. Thank you very much, Stephen, for your time. Ilan, it's been a pleasure. I hope to see you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information or to listen to other episodes, visit our website. And if you like these podcasts, don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, be safe.